Good morning, planet Earth. Good morning to the people of Scompton. Good morning to Grinkentown. Wake up the fester eels. Good morning to Burlington. Good morning to Mount Rainier. Good morning to the Uinta Mountains. Good morning to the Wookiee people far and near. The swamp creatures, the bog monkeys, the weird Okeechobee monsters. Good morning to you all. It is Sunday, October the, oh my gosh, 23rd, 2022, right around 10 a.m. Mountain Standard Time here in Utah. But I don't know what time it is where you are, and guess what? I don't fucking care. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I, I don't care what time it is there. It could be midnight. It could be the time of the year where you hang out with your friends. You might be drinking a pumpkin, a pumpkin spice coffee. I might want to punch you right in the fucking face, baby. drinking a pumpkin spice, I'm gonna punch you. Punch you in your occipital lobe. I will blind you for life if you're drinking your pumpkin spice. I don't give a shit if you want to drink pumpkin spice. It's probably going to give you pumpkin spice butt cancer, and that's between you and your butt and the cancer, and I don't give a shit. But it is October the 23rd. It is still 2022. In a couple months, it'll be the three-year anniversary of Bo Blimpdock. It'll be the three-year anniversary of the great fucking Mindscrew. It'll be the three-year anniversary of the coming of the coffee filters and the warp speed vaccines and the dancing nurses and the magical fucking monkey herpes. Aren't you excited? A few months? Me, I didn't think this nonsense could last more than 90 days, but it turns out people will go far more insane than you can possibly imagine, especially if they're being driven that direction. Just like that painting, the painting of the buffalo, and all those Native Americans scaring the fuck out of them. Scaring them over the cliff. Isn't that nice? Isn't that balance? Isn't that the old tradition? Scare the animal over the fucking cliff because a big stupid animal, it'll just do what we do, what we want it to do. Because we're just so noble, scaring animals over fucking cliffs, baby. 
We humans have been mind-fucking nature and mind-fucking each other pretty much since the beginning, whenever that was. I'm a Christian, so I can settle for 5,000 years ago, fuck you and your dinosaurs, but if you want to believe in a whatever, Big Bang bullshit that happened, some type of Stephen Hawking pocket universe bullshit, that's up to you, bubble man. I don't care. File that under, I don't give a shit what time it is where you're at. It's your business, baby. First topic, though. I might be going back to Seattle. I might be visiting Seattle again. Yeah, I might be going back to Seattle. Yeah. I I pretty much didn't think that was going to happen. And it still might not. Um, I'm probably going to do it to see family. But I don't know if I'm going to see my whole family. I don't really have the money to do it. But someone offered to pay. So I thought, okay, I really need to think on this one. If they're willing to pay, should I really be so stubborn to not go back there, but let's just get this out of the way, okay, folks? I'm going back there as light and as maneuverable as I can possibly go. I am going to practice all the ancient hobo ways. I will participate in all the ancient hobo practices. I will utilize all the high technology of Sector 32. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do, baby. I don't know. It's weird. The electricity just flicked out on us again. Every time the electricity flakes out now, I think about Bitcoin and crypto. And I also think about Seattle. I think about people that have built their lives on the assumption that all this technology is a guarantee. It's like a human right. It's like you got positive freedoms and negative freedoms. And negative freedoms are like the freedom from. But positive freedoms are the freedoms to have. Have electricity, have water, have internet, have food at the grocery store. These are all great, but they're not actually real. Despite all the nonsense, despite all the crapola, you know, despite that that Rawls... Uh, delineation between positive and negative freedoms. And I'll leave you to research Professor Rawls and that theory. There really is only one kind of freedom, and that's the freedom from other people's bullshit. It isn't the freedom to have things. You were not born with a right to have health care. I hate to break it to you, okay? The cave people did not know about that right. Ancient peoples did not know about it. If you want to say, well, we're not ancient no more, that's great. But are we so fucking civilized, baby? I mean, I can turn on the TV now and hear the people that a lot of, not necessarily you folks, you listeners, but a lot of people you know will turn on that expert channel, CNN, NPR, whatever, 
you know, this week with whatever the fuck. They'll turn on the news show, the Sunday show, and they'll listen to some expert talk about nuclear war like it's a thing you can do. Like it's an option on the table. How civilized do you think we are? I mean, I know we have technology for a while. I know we have a lot of cool gadgets that are going to work as long as the electricity's on. But what happens when the electricity goes out? Because I don't see a lot of civilized people right now. So what happens when there isn't electricity and there isn't food? I'm not going to beat up on you crypto folks, to be honest with you. And I should probably not beat up on the Seattle folks either, since I plan on visiting there in a couple weeks, maybe. But how civilized are we, and how guaranteed are these things you think are your freedoms? Your freedom to have health care, your freedom to have a, a roof over your head, your freedom to have a guaranteed income. How much of these things do you think the universe gives a shit about? I mean, I know the answer, but to you. A lot of people are going to get a rude awakening in Maslow's hierarchy. A lot of people are going to come to understand there are things you want and there are things you need. And the list of things you need is not that long. The list of things you desire might fill up a book. But what you need is food, water, shelter. Clean water, healthy, you know, clean air to breathe. You need shelter, you need food. It's nice to have some other things too. It's nice to have a space where you can go for a walk. It's nice to have, you know, countryside that isn't ugly and polluted. It's nice to have a dog. Although you do have to feed the dog, and the dog's going to have its own needs, not just food. The things you need and the things you want. And I don't know how that random rant relates to visiting Seattle, except to say that one of the reasons why I left that place wasn't that somehow the, rur the rural world, the world of the countryside, is any more rational or sane. There's just fewer fucking people here which means far less crazy overall, net-net. It's not to say that we don't have crazy people, we just don't have as many people. And, and the human race is at a, at a tipping point of madness right now. And you can claim it's accidental, you can claim some type of, well, I've been reading these books about the generation theory. You can claim all kinds of crooked historicism. I can tell you that if you conduct military psychological warfare on billions of people for two to three years, it's not going to have positive outcomes. It's pretty much the kind of thing you do at the end. You don't do it at the beginning. You don't do this at the start of something. You do this because whatever you were participating in, whatever scheme, whatever grift, whatever world you, you were the, the commander of, you do this at the end because it's all going to burn. And that's the truth. It's a brutal, horrific truth. None of this is designed to build a foundation for anything but a cemetery, but an insane asylum. That's what you have the foundations for, not FEMA camps, not frickin' the reset, any of those other bugbears you go to sleep at night with because they feel like lesser catastrophes. Because at least in that world, there'll still be electricity. And there'll, there'll be some kind of fucking protein cube. And you'll be able to live some type of life with your 401k. I've heard all the bargaining for lesser catastrophes. I've heard it all. 
If you know how to invest your money right, you'll be okay for retirement. What? Retirement's not a thing. It's not. There's only one form of retirement historically, and it involves laying down horizontally and never getting up again. That's retirement. That is the baseline. That is the reversion to the mean of what retirement is. But this other concept of living until you're 60 or something, or maybe 70, and then maybe you'll live another 20 years and someone else is paying for it, or no, no, you're going to say you paid for it. Not in this system, buddy. That money you put in was spent a long, 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 long time ago, grifter whore. But Dan, I paid into my pensions and I paid my taxes. I know. I know you think you did. But in reality, we've been printing money for 50 years. So whatever the fuck you think you've been paying, you haven't. You, If you're retiring right now, you were in your early 20s when Nixon closed the gold window. That's, okay, I'll explain this quite simply. That was the United States saying, fuck you, world, we're not going to pay. You were in the early 20s when we replaced that strategy of having gold for money with oil for money. And if you wanted to buy oil, you'd buy it at the point of a gun, and you better use a fucking greenback. That's the crooked system you've been paying taxes into. That's the crooked fucking system that is holding on to your pension fund. So tell me again about your retirement and how it's a right or a freedom or something you're guaranteed. You can tell that to the cabal of monsters that come hunting for food in the night. And if you tell me, motherfucker, you got a basement full of ammo, I'm going to tell you, motherfucker, you got a basement full of nothing. There are not enough bullets, not enough guns, not enough anything to stop those hungry people that will outnumber you. You said it yourself. You bragged about it. You said you were the only person on your block to have a basement full of food. You're the only person on your block to have a basement full of ammo. You probably went to barbecues. You probably hung out at street parties and talked about it in front of all your liberal friends, but I don't know how to break this to you, motherfucker. There is no liberal, there is no conservative when people hear their babies, their children crying because they're hungry. Those politics vaporize. There is what you have and what you don't have. There is your basement that is empty, your children's stomachs that are empty, and your neighbor that bragged about all the fucking food all the time. I'm laying down the truth to you, Seattle. So no, I don't, I, I'm not really happy about the idea that I'll go back there. But I will see beans again. I might be able to link up with my friend Mike, maybe. So yeah, I'll see beans and maybe see my friend Mike and all that would be great. I don't know about it. going back to Seattle to tell you the truth. If I go back, it's because, you know, the time we're in. Like, I don't know.
how much longer it's going to be the case that anybody can get onto even a bus, let alone a plane, and go someplace. I'm not going to get vaccinated to, to get on a plane. I can tell you that much. I'm not going to get vaccinated to get on a bus. I won't do that. And I have no idea what kind of crooked motherfuckers are in Seattle at this point. They were getting more and more crooked every fucking day that I lived there. I have no idea how debased and shitty these people are now. None at all. Probably a lot of scumbags thinking that, oh, I'll vote. I'm voting soon. Next topic, right? So I am an anarchist. And let me explain what that means, because bankers and the government will never tell you the truth on this one. And that's why they love to insert the word into screenplays they pay for. Anarchist does not mean chaos. If you want to know who the main source of chaos in the world is right now, it is the people you pay taxes to. It's the motherfuckers holding on to your fucking pension. They love chaos. They use chaos to their advantage. Anarchists believe in voluntary self-organization, which means that you can have all the things you want, you can have your postal service, you can have your fucking roads. You just can't have those things by pointing guns at people. You can't just steal people's shit under the color of law. You just can't hire yourself a lawyer and become your own fucking kingdom. In a free world, people can make choices, and they can choose to associate with you, and if they don't want anything to do with you, they can choose to do that too, in a free world. So I don't know about all this voting that's happening soon, but I was thinking about under what condition I would ever consider participating in your quote-unquote democracy again, and that's assuming your voting even worked, and I don't think it does. I don't think your votes are counted. I think you're foolish if you think you're due. But let's let's assume some magical world where your votes are counted and where your votes are meaningful. I would settle for a two-vote system. Okay, you get a vote to vote for somebody. The mayor, the mayor of Scompton City. You can vote for the governor of Grinken. You can vote for the president of Boblimpdok. It's awesome. You get one vote, right? You get, actually get two votes. One vote is for the person you want to run things. The other vote concerns the person that's been running things and whether or not they get to live. You get two votes. You get to vote for somebody. You're going to vote for Bob, who's going to be mayor, okay? But then when Bob's term is over, you get to vote on whether Bob gets to live. But Dan, you can't do that. That's serious. Uh, like, I don't know, sending troops into a country to murder a family, dropping bombs on a wedding. Is it serious like that? How about polluting Southeast Asia for 10,000 fucking years, baby? You get two votes. One vote gets you elected. The other vote determines, baby... If you get to live. Now you could say, well, Dan, then people will simply vote for stuff. Well, that's already happening. That is a distinction without a difference. People are already voting for stuff. 
They are already choosing their leadership based upon the stuff they're going to get. If you think somehow the Sword of Damocles would change that equation, you're fucking crazy. But what it would do if it actually happened, if we lived in an actual just democracy like that, what it would do is put a lot of seriousness into every fucking vote that senator, that congressman, every decision that mayor makes, every decision the governor makes, it would put some seriousness into it that goes a little bit beyond, well, I might end up in jail. No, buddy, you might not get to live. That's the reality of it. In fact, maybe we make it a less than majority vote. Call it 40%. Think about them apples for a second. If 40% of the people that represent you decide you're a giant smoking piece of shit, guess what? You've just undermined the whole all the poor people will vote for stuff. There'll be enough rich people that to make up 40% too. So why don't we make the magic number 40%? It doesn't even have to be the majority. It just has to be 40% of the people thought you were a giant smoking piece of shit and you don't deserve to live. Here's a quote from Dr. Freckles. In a just world, you would have two votes in every democracy. The first one gets you elected, elected. <laughs> the first one gets you elected. The second one is taken after your term is complete. And this is the one about whether you get to live. Dr. Freckles, he's right. Democracy would work with two votes. It would. It, it probably would. Eventually... I mean, it might take one or two cycles, but I, I'm beginning to think, especially if you set the threshold at 40%, if 40% of the people you work for decide you don't get to live, you don't get to live, it seems to me you would end up representing most people. Because you can always find a 40% that's going to be pissed off, right? So it seems like you try to make people happy. Now, maybe... That translates to handing out goodies. Maybe that translates to all kinds of garbage welfare. But meditate on those thoughts in your fucking head. That is why I'm an anarchist. Because there is no form of democracy, autocracy, kingdomship, or any of that crap that won't end up failing you. Even the two-vote system would fail you. It would fail you eventually. It would end up not working. The only path to a just society is really quite simple. It's called freedom. But people don't want freedom. Or at least that's what they tell us, right?
Next topic. But yeah, it sounds kind of horrible to some of you out there. Dan, you can't vote on whether people get to live or die. Oh my God. Number one, as stated, nobody counts your votes. But number two, if they did, you motherfuckers are voting on people living and dying every time you vote. You just don't know what transitive reasoning is. You can't really reason or logic yourselves outside of a smartphone now. So you can't really think about what it is you're doing. But believe me, every time you walk into that fucking booth, you're worshiping a system that murders people every fucking day. So please take that shit down the street, all right? It, it might be the case in your two-vote democracy that the people that really deserve to go will actually go. And you know what I'll add to the list? Every bureaucrat, every secretary, every admin, anybody that gets a paycheck from the government, why don't we put them all on the two-vote system? Everybody gets that second vote. Did you do your job? Did you screw people? Did you take advantage of people? Did you ship cocaine south of the border or ship it someplace else? What did you do? Did you hand out blocks of $100 bills to pedophiles and human traffickers? What did you do? And if you don't like that, then I'm going to let you in a little secret. You don't like government. And that's called wisdom. Next topic, next topic, shit, shit, fuck shit, next topic. So there's a link to, um, a link to an article on Zero Hedge. I'm not going to read the whole article, but it basically is a big, long, tome-ish type, TLDR type thing about whether or not there have been other high-tech civilizations prior to the last 100 years, the last 100 to 200 years? Have there been other technologically driven civilizations? And there's lots of these, you know, archaeological facts they bring up that could indicate other periods of time in history where people had super technology or whatever. I don't know. You, you should read that article yourself. I actually wrote a short story about this kind of a short book in 2015 called Episode 36. And you don't have to read it. There's a link to it from Amazon and a link to it on a free PDF. But the basic line of the story is that the government picks up messages from deep space. And at first, it's being sort of promoted as messages from space, messages from aliens, Irma Gerd, aliens are real. And the messages turned out to be a TV show. Of course, it's in a language nobody speaks, but it's basically a television show, and it's kind of a dystopian one. And at one point in the story, the main character figures out that it's not an, an, a TV show from outer space, it's not from aliens. It's a radio signal that's been bouncing around the universe for about 40, 50, 60,000 years. And... The very last episode talks about a nuclear war between the government of Sodom and the government of Gomorrah. Now, I'm not going to tell you this is a great story. It's probably not, and you don't have to read it. But it's an interesting subject. I mean, if you take seriously what anthropologists have told us in recent decades that humans, as Homo sapiens, have been around for about a quarter of a million years. That's 250,000. And this latest epic of civilization, so-called, 
started about seven, eight thousand years ago. So even if you had inter, you know, inter-civilizational epics, epics of chaos, you could call them a super dark age. Even if you had super dark ages that lasted 10, 20,000 years, you could still have had in a quarter of a million years, five or six, a half a dozen civilizations come into existence and then blink out. It's, it's not impossible. Um, there are very few things we make that will last 10 or 20,000 years. Very few things we've created that, are that, that have that kind of staying power. Um, even piles of stone, you know, like the pyramids, could be destroyed in that period of time, in the very least buried, to be very difficult to discover. In fact, about the only thing I can think of that would outlast us to any great depth of time is nuclear waste. A lot of the nuclear waste is, is you know, remarkably long-lasting. And it has signatures that people who understand technology could figure out. There are certain types of radioisotopes that indicate um, the development of reactors as a technology. So, you know, so you could make the argument, a reasonable argument, that there would be traces in radioactive waste that might indicate a previous civilization. But that's about it, right? There are very few things you can build that last that long. I mean, they'll last maybe a few thousand years, but 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 years? That's a long time, brothers and sisters. And that's assuming, you know, the estimate of Homo sapiens has been, as having been around for a quarter of a million years. What if we've been around for a million years? What if humans have been around for a billion years? What if we were the gardeners that came to a barren planet with our various technologies to terraform a barren world? We found piles of crap, piles of old bunctus, broken glass reservoirs, diesel fuel nightmares. We built machines to bring forth the flowers. We built machines to bring forth the kitty cat. We brought forth puppies. We weren't all bad, baby. You know, H.P. Lovecraft, um, in The Mountains of Madness, discusses the idea that the history of, the history of our planet, in, in terms of life, might be very different than what we suspect. H.P. Lovecraft might not have been the first, but he was one of those first science fiction writers that proposed that other species, other creatures, aliens, might have created us. In fact, they might have created most of the life on the planet. And they might have been the gardeners of the ancient times. And maybe the reason why Antarctica is so closed off from the rest of us, because it kind of is, is because some of those artifacts are there. You know, what if ancient Ant Atlantis, the Atlantean civilization, what if it's not sunken underneath the oceans? What if it's in Antarctica? What if all the secrets are there? The secrets of the ancient ones, the ancient creatures who create the Yogg-Sothoth. 
the Yog Sothoth, the Yugath, the Krugath, the various types of scrimblies. What if in Antarctica are the secrets of these previous civilizations? Who knows? Next fucking topic. So I have been targeted with an exceptional amount of spam recently. And it's interesting because it, it more or less um, regresses to, you know, correlates to some other events in my life and not so random types of events. I'll just leave it there. But in recent weeks, I've had a ton, a flood of just terrible spam. And it doesn't bother me. Lots of these phishing scams. Hey, your email account's almost done. The bank wants to talk to you about your password. Can you send us the phone numbers and the numbers to all your hookahs? Here's one from Miss, Miss, Mrs. Mrs. Bodana Alexander. Headline, urgent reply needed, or I should say t subject, urgent reply needed and confidential. I, I, it really just says am Mrs. Bordana Alexander, the wife of Daniel Alexander, Ukraine sunflower oil, wheat and maize farmer. My husband was murdered by the Russian army troop because of the war between Russian and Ukraine. It was so very terrible. He was a sunflower oil and wheat maize farmer who have invested much in agriculture political opponents. I acknowledge very well that my husband deposited the sum of $10.7 million with a security and financial company here in Johannesburg, South Africa, with the intention of using it for the purchase of new farm machineries and chemical for agricultural purpose, as well as purchasing hectares of land in South Africa. What? I gotta stop right here. You know, I... If you're going to create bullshit emails to send to people, do a little bit of fucking research. I get wanting to leave Ukraine, baby. But why the fuck would you move to South Africa, no offense to the racists out there, as a white person? Because it's not looking so good for white folks in South Africa. This is a really stupid email, but let's continue. Hectares of land in South Africa for his investment. I got your contact through Chamber of Commerce. With the high risk of staying in my country, we are now on political asylum. Sounds like a drug. My position does not allow me to open an account or normalize this fund to any meaningful business transaction. I want you to understand that this is purely family fund, not money laundering affair. I solicit your honest assistance. I solicit your honest assistance as I want this fund to be transferred to your account in overseas with your partnership. I will want to invest this fund in your country. We can invest the fund as a family. Investment together with you in your country, be assured that all necessary document backing this fund has been arranged with one of the attorney I meet here in Johannesburg, South Africa. Feel free to ask any question regarding this transaction. Oh, I will. 
hoping to hear from you soonest, kindly contact me through contact me through this private through my through the, this my private email for confidential bodana alexander at yandex.com okay bodana <laughs> i need your urgent and confidential response towards this transaction thank you and regards bodana alexander you know bodana you sound like a porn star you got a porn star name you got a hooker name, you got a stripper name, Bodana Bodana. I, Banana Bodana, I don't know. I don't know. Here's the next one I got recently. My name is, is Timothy Lowe. My name is Timothy Lowe. I'm a leading Hong Kong attorney, specialized in corporate and litigation, litigation law. Private equity hedge funds investment funds, financial services, banking, and bankruptcy practices, I'm internationally recognized. It may surprise you to receive this letter from me, since there has been no previous correspondence between us. I will also like to make it clear here that I know that the internet has been grossly abused by criminal-minded people making it difficult for people with genuine intention to correspond and exchange views without skepticism. There is an unclaimed permanent life insurance policy held by our deceased client. The transaction pertains to an unclaimed payable on death savings monetary deposit in the sum of $16,900,000 with one of the prime global insurers. The policyholder was one of our clients. Her name is Lucia Bose. Oh my God, Lucia. I remember the summer of 96. We fell in love. You had my hooker child. We left it behind in the cold because we were out of pizza and Coke. Her name is Lucia Bose, who was a film actress who died on March 23rd of pneumonia after contracting COVID-19. You also lost credibility, fucker. Since her death, no one has come forward for the claim and all our efforts to locate his relatives. Okay. It says film actress and to locate his... Re you guys got to do better than this, shitheads. Locate his relatives, I guess he changed sexes in the, in the middle of reading this, have proved unsuccessful. The insurance company policy stipulates that insured permanent policies not claimed must be turned over to the abandoned property division of the state treasury after the deadline. Oh my God. Therefore, I ask for your consent to be in partnership with me. For the claim of this policy benefit. If you permit me to add your name to the policy, all proceeds, all proceeds will be processed on your behalf. 
I wish to point out that I want 10% of this money to be shared among charity organizations while the remaining 90% will be shared between us. Oh my gosh, that's generous. This is 100% risk-free and 100% legal. I do have all the necessary, necessary documentation. Yeah, so I have necessary document to expedite the process in a highly professional and confidential manner. I will provide all the relevant documents to substantiate your claim as the beneficiary. This claim requires a high level of confidentiality, and it may take up to 10 business days from the date of receipt of your consent. Your earliest response to this matter would be highly appreciated. Best regards, Timothy Lowe. Well, Tim, if you are a world-renowned attorney, the only reason why I could suspect that, that that is still true is because the human race has fallen that far. I mean, basically, the primary beneficiary changed sexes in the midst of you writing this, you know, this email. So I don't know what to tell you, Tim. A lot of work, there's a lot of work you got to do here, okay? You didn't get nearly to the end zone with me. I mean, I'm not going to ever respond positively to any of this garbage it's all pretty low rent dreck but at least put forth some fucking effort timothy do something try something right baby just don't give up You know, I don't know. I don't know about Timothy. I don't think he's going to get my money. I don't think Lucia is a real person. I don't believe that Bodana actually cares or is a person. But do I think it's wise to move from the Ukraine to South Africa? No. No, probably not. Probably not wise. I don't know why you would assume I live in Johannesburg. I mean, maybe I sound like I live in Johannesburg because, you know, sometimes I get drunk, but... No, I don't live in Johannesburg. I'm not an Afrikaner. And as far as the situation in South Africa goes, yeah, it does look like things are about to get pretty racist there again, except for this time, you know, the other side's on top. And I don't think it's going to look good for anybody who's not the right color of skin at some point, um, especially as things get harder. You know, I'd love to tell you that people become more wise and more intelligent and more just when things get harder. You'd love to believe in the movies, well, people become their truest best selves in a tragedy. No. You do find out who people really are. You do find out who most people really are when things get hard, and you're about to find out. You're about to find out about the value of public education. You're about to find, find out about the value of smart devices. You're about to find out about the benefits of a lot of things that people thought of as net positives, the internet and whatnot. You're about to find out, 
okay? That is a true statement. You will learn what's really in people, but it's not what you, you think it is. It really, it isn't. It could be. Things could have been different, but they're not, okay? We have multiple generations of folks who've been raised essentially to be amoral. Um, so when it comes down to fight or flight, you know, starve or feast or any of those things, people are going to make the basic choices they're going to make and they won't care about you or your retirement or your 401k or your pension fund. And if you're standing between them and their hungry kids and what's in your basement, you could kill them, but they're not going to listen to reason. And once you, once you kill a couple, don't you think that's going to attract some more over? And, and how many rounds do you have? And how fast can you reload? And how long until your barrel burns out on your gun? Okay? How many people do you have that stay with you that can maintain 24-hour security? Do you have concertina wire? If you don't have any concertina wire at all, then you're a fucking idiot, and I don't care how much ammo you have in your basement, they're going to get to it. You can pretend that some higher self will reveal itself in your neighbors. These are the same people you probably revile at those street parties for not having guns and not stockpiling food. Meditate. You know, do you really think it makes sense to be the wise, you know, the, the wise little ant, the, the wise little hard worker, the worker bee, Amongst so many hornets and wasps, do you think that's a, a wise tactical situation? So I would say for anyone who lives in a city right now and wants to boast about all their guns and all their food, you're in the wrong fucking place, brother. I mean, you might meet Bodana. You might meet Timothy in some dark alley. They'll sell you crab meat. I'll just say it. It is crabs. I left Seattle with the help of a friend in late March of 2021, Bo I had been living in that straggling zone for about a few years, including the time of the monkey herpes. I would leave my place each morning and be surrounded by the coffee filter people. I would be told that I killed people's grandma because I didn't believe the bullshit. I was one of those people that remarked, <laughs> the emergency National Guard tents by Harborview, they were up for three weeks, baby. Up, down, no customers, none of the things they talked about, none of the, none of the horror stories, you know. I saw the construction increase. I saw a lot of stuff increase, including commies marching up and down 12th Avenue 
which, oh, by the way, would actually slow down traffic if you were in the middle of a pandemic, because, you know, that's Pill Hill. Yeah. I left that fucking place in March of 21, and I have no fucking interest almost two years later of even being back there. But I will tell you, it doesn't necessarily matter exactly where you are on this particular airplane. It doesn't necessarily matter which condominium you moved into on the Death Star. This thing starts unraveling. It impacts everywhere. It impacts the cities the worst because too many mouths, not enough food. It's not complicated fucking math. And if you think people are going to like... I don't know, raise a bunch of fucking horses and pull the food into town like his little house in the prairie. Beat bricks, motherfucker. The people in the countryside will keep the food to themselves. So what then? You're going to form thug armies and go out into the countryside and steal the food? After you lose 70 pounds, baby. You know? After you kick that need for those anti-anxiety drugs. Maybe. I don't think most of these folks in the cities are going to go very far. And if they happen to know you have a basement full of food and ammo, I can't tell you, but it seems like you're advertising a whole swarm of locusts to come and steal your shit. And if you're in their way, they're going to kill you. Next topic. So when I was living in Little Saigon... Little Saigon, Seattle, there was this demon that would visit me. The demon goes by many names. Some people call him the Old Traveler. Some people call him the Whiskey Drunk. Some people call him the Singer of Tales. He sings songs you want to hear. He'd tap on my window. He'd tap, tap, tap. He'd tap on my window. His name was Zinder. I was living in Little Saigon. He'd tap and stare. With his burning red eyes, looking deep, baby, into my troubled spirit, he'd stare me down. He offered, you know, the salve of forever time. He offered the peace of eternity. And he relinquished his alley kingdom to me. I stared blankly at his weird eyes. I wondered how many kinds of cocaine he knew. I tried talking to the freaks on the other side of Dorgantown. They'd sell me flounder mist. I'd shoot up across from the Cascade Hustler. It's a new bullet train that takes weary travelers from Seattle to the stripper corridor in Kent. Terry Michaels, the mayor of Grinkentown, he stood up for convenience and said, 
He, he would ask the Striegland clan to ferry moat fuckers from Queen Anne to Guimas Island. Zinder was the great whisperer. He, he drew in, he pulled in the Phantom Carlos types, the ones all greasy from Scompton, bringing their frizzle clap and weird existentialist STDs. Zinder was the wind fury. He could keep watch on all his parrots all day long. He handed out favors across the Big Burger, across Aurora, Aurora Avenue. The hooker parlors would empty out at midnight just to seek counsel with Zinder, a hopeless wanting for exit strategies. Zinder whispered through that window in Little Saigon, telling me of sights and smells and things to come. Telling me of weird Japanese sex crews and old-timey racist thugs. These thugs would scour the streets, streets of failure, looking for their boxes of regret. I am the warlord king, Zinder screamed at his Gronklin-style armies. Already, there are Dringus armies forming up in the east. They seek the cloven flesh, flesh of midnight. They hunt wearing seersucker suits and wingtip shoes. And you think you'll flee to some caves? Find yourself a cave for your family? Buy some guns at Cabela? Not, nah, nah, my friend. Grinkin' time is near. Grinkin' time is near. And all the Hoagland folk will arm themselves, you know, with machetes and chain and look for the nearest Torg beast to harvest, the one with the pension fund, the one with the 401k, the one with the investment package, the one with the basement full of food and ammo. Zinder owns the beast. Zinder owns the sewers and the toilets. Zinder is the window washer Zinder is that old greasy janitor that seems to live in the closet that smells like bleach and vomit and tragedy. And Zinder has found me in Utah. He stands outside my window. He taps and taps and taps, telling me of Wookiees, 15 feet tall. Their teeth are stained red red and yellow and grimy. They have fangs. They're poisonous. Yeah, Zender. Zender the demon. Um kind of a weird person to talk about because I don't know if Zinder is real or if Zinder's in my head or if it's a form of madness, but 
Zender is the demon that taps on your window and tells you that you're stupid and you're ugly and you're fat and you're old. Zender is the one that says you can't win because you're always going to lose. Zender is the one that says if you're hungry, don't worry, you can always find some kind of crap at Chevron. Zender says if you're thirsty, go get yourself a six-pack of beer. Zender is the one that says, do you hunger or thirst for something you can't name? Go get yourself a knife and walk those streets, buddy. Zender's the voice in every dog that calls itself Sam. Zender's the voice in every French bulldog that mutters its pain sounds in the middle of the night. Zender's the great ugliness. And I think Zender visits everybody. And the, and the key thing about Zender is to not be afraid, but to look at it for what it is. It is fear. In every form of fear that exists, every form of fear that has ever existed, ever, you know, walked its way out of the deep, deep valley of ugliness in the human soul, Zender represents all that. But you know what? He doesn't like the light. He doesn't like the light. He doesn't like well-lit places. He doesn't like when you turn on the light. He runs away. He doesn't like heavy metal music. For some reason, he doesn't like jazz. He's okay with Wagner. That's understandable. Yep, good old Zinder. He's a lower-level demon from a trailer park in hell. If there's a Mississippi somewhere deep in hell, maybe it's the same Mississippi. Maybe you know Zinder. <laughs> and here I'm making fun of Mississippi, and that's not right. Anyways, for October the 23rd, 2022. I can't really say this has been one of my better podcasts, but it's a podcast. And I think this idea of going back to Seattle has me irked. It's irking me. It's um, it's got me disturbed. Uh, I don't really want to go back there. I, I miss some people I know there. That is true, but I don't miss that place. I don't miss the feeling of that place. I don't miss the ambiance. I don't miss um, how some place had already had issues because it's not like Seattle was a perfect wonderland prior to 2020, but it just took whatever issues it had and it amplified them into this really ugly, commie, dystopian, just gray, nasty, eternally 
painful and tragic existence where nothing is resolved and everybody just walks around like they're they're depressed but they don't know it they think they're happy at least when i'm depressed i know it they don't know it that they're all basically really depressed that's seattle So have a great rest of your Sunday. Um, you know, go do something fun with, with, with your family. Enjoy this life for what it is. And don't worry too much about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to take care of its own fucking self, baby.